Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to the fourth season of Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme this season is Tales from the Trenches, and we have an amazing story today. Today, we actually have a heart-wrenching story about a family that was torn apart by Child Protective Services. According to Child Protective Services, a guide for caseworkers, Child Protective Services, a division within state and local social services, is at the center of every community's child protective efforts. In most jurisdictions, CPS is the agency mandated by law to conduct an initial assessment or investigation of reports of child abuse and neglect. It also offers services to families and children where maltreatment has occurred or is likely to occur. While CPS does not work alone, typically CPS is the lead agency in coordinating the efforts of the various disciplines working to protect children and to educate the community about the problems of child abuse and neglect. How could this organization pull a family apart? Did the child's congenital heart defect play a pivotal role in CPS's decision to remove that child from the family? How can other families safeguard their own families from a similar event occurring? We'll discover the answers to those questions and more in today's show, which is entitled, How Child Protective Services Almost Destroyed One Heart Family. Today's guest is Tabitha Steed. Tabitha Steed is the mother of three children, Aiden, 10, Molly, 8, and Kai, 2. Kai was born with transposition of the great arteries and an atrial septal defect, or ASD. He had an arterial switch operation and patching of his ASD at four days of age. He also had a diaphragm plication at seven days of age. Kai has a unique story. In addition to his heart defects, he was not given proper nutrition during his hospital stay at birth for his surgery, and he developed rickets. Lasix further compromised his bones because the medication caused calcium to be leached from them. Kai and Tabitha have recently been diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which increases the risk for developing vitamin D deficiencies. Kai had two unexplained fractures shortly after his release from the hospital, which couldn't be accounted for by Tabitha or her husband because he suffered no trauma. Child Protective Services was called, and the family lost custody of Kai for a year while they sought out-of-state experts and multiple tests to try to determine a cause of the fractures. It took two years, over $20,000 in out-of-state medical bills, and two out-of-state doctors to finally explain Kai's condition. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Tabitha. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, when I first read your story, Tabitha, I was just 
horrified. There are so many different components to it. So in this first segment, let's just talk about Kai's early days with you, and maybe you can explain to our listeners how Kai developed rickets. Sure. Kai was most likely born with a vitamin D deficiency. It's believed he was probably vitamin D deficient when I was pregnant due to several medical conditions and limitations to my diet. Due to some complications with my gallbladder, I was also unable to consume dairy. Further, having Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome puts me at high risk for developing vitamin D deficiencies. So my doctors believe I have probably been vitamin D deficient for most of my life without knowing it. And all of those influences didn't allow my body to pass on enough vitamin D to Kai in you. And then after he was born, he was given no nutrition for the first few weeks of life. And he was also not exposed to any sunlight during that period due to being hospitalized for the heart surgery. So those factors, along with the Lasix, is believed to have pushed him from simply being vitamin D deficient to having full-blown rickets. Wow, that's just amazing. And I know that when my son was in the hospital, it seemed like they were doing blood tests on him and all kind of analyses all the time to see if he was losing potassium or losing some critical component that would be necessary for him to thrive. I'm really surprised the doctors weren't able to pick up on this sooner before it developed into rickets. Yeah, they did do the regular blood tests, even for calcium, but unfortunately that does not pick up on the fact that it's leaching calcium from the bones. The LASIK does do that, and since he was already vitamin D compromised, it just kind of put his bones over the edge. And even though they were pumping him full of calcium for his heart, the calcium wasn't having time to absorb into his bones, thus causing him to have brittle bones. Wow. Well, I was wondering before whether or not breastfeeding Kai would have been an option for you, but if you were vitamin D deficient yourself, then breastfeeding probably wouldn't have helped him either, would it? I was pumping for him from the time he was born, and they did not fortify that breast milk. So in general, breast milk alone does not provide enough vitamin D for babies. A lot of mothers do not know that. Most babies get the extra vitamin D they need from the sunlight or a supplement. And since Kai had neither, and the fact that I was vitamin D deficient while pumping, it actually contributed to his rickets continuing for the first few months of his life. Like I said, it's usually not a problem in most cases because infants are either supplemented with formula or exposed to enough sunlight. But we were not offered any supplementation of formula or any sort of vitamin D supplements. In fact, vitamin D was never even mentioned to us while Kai was hospitalized, and his vitamin D levels were never even checked until weeks after his second fracture and were still well below normal levels when they did finally check it. Oh, my goodness. You're saying that the levels were normal when they actually Um, checked the vitamin D? When his vitamin D levels were checked, no, they didn't check them at all when he was in the hospital. And they checked them until weeks after the second fracture he had, and they were well below normal levels when they, oh, they checked were well that. below so, normal levels. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And so, okay, so I can understand the baby having two fractures and them possibly not checking in the hospital, although I find that kind of strange, but I'm not a nurse. I'm just a mom, so (laughs) I'm not speaking for any hospital or anything like that. I guess I I just assumed something that critical would be checked, but I guess it seems like Kai really is an unusual case, given the fact that he was probably born with a vitamin D deficiency to begin with. So tell me about this Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. You said you just discovered that recently, so it sounds like you discovered recently that you've probably been vitamin D deficient most of your life. How did you come to find out about this? Was it through all this testing with Kai that you finally found out that you had this condition? 
It was. The final specialist we saw in Boston actually finally gave me the diagnosis. And I do have elder Zanlos. It's also called EDS for short, but it deals with the connective tissues in your body. So lots of people with EDS have really innocent symptoms like being double-jointed, excessive flexibility in their joints, having really soft, velvety skin, or being able to dislocate your joints. I actually have mm-hmm. all of those issues. I have a wow. very mild case of EDS. So other people that have more severe forms can have really scary issues like aneurysms. So it's never really mm-hmm. caused a problem for me, but it has caused me to be vitamin D deficient for the majority of my life. And did you never suffer any kind of problems like your son as far as like fractures or problems like that? Well, I'm generally healthy. I have had many dislocations of my shoulder. Otherwise, I've been generally healthy. However, if I were to need an extended hospitalization like Kai did with his heart, I would definitely be at risk for developing rickets. Really? Even though you're aware of this situation, the doctors wouldn't fortify whatever vitamins that they're giving you to make sure that you didn't have this problem? Because of the EDS, it actually causes my body to have problems absorbing the vitamin D, so they would have to be very, very careful, and I would probably have to have my vitamin D monitored daily. So it would definitely be a risk for me. Wow. So do you feel angry with the hospital that treated Kai that they weren't able to pick up on this, or do you think it's something that they responded within reasonable measures for Kai? How is it that you feel? I feel upset. I still feel upset, and I suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder related to it, Mm -hmm. but it's just I feel like doctors and specialists that deal with children need to be more aware that rickets and vitamin D deficiencies are a problem, especially with special needs children and children that need extended hospital stays, even if they do not have EDS. So I really think that our medical system kind of needs to get revamped on the whole vitamin D deficiency and rickets problem, just simply because it is a problem and most of the textbooks that are out for medical students now don't even really mention rickets that much just because it's such an old world disease. But now it is a problem, and I really think that we really need to start educating our medical community a little bit better. So how common is it? Do you know how common rickets is in the population at large? I don't have statistics, but I do know that children that are born premature or that need extended hospital stays, including cardiac babies or babies that need any sort of surgery, are at higher risk for developing vitamin D Mm -hmm. deficiencies. So it is something that I believe should be monitored, especially if they're a small infant and have any sort of extended hospital stay. It really needs to be monitored. And my son's was never checked the entire time he was in the hospital. Wow. If all we do is reach one nurse or one doctor and help to spread some of this information with this show, Tabitha, or a parent, because we parents are our children's greatest advocates, it'll be worth it. Because I just cannot imagine going through this nightmare. What a horrible experience for you. And it was something totally innocent, and it was something that could have been prevented. That's what upsets me. My husband is a nurse, and when I was sharing with him that I was going to be talking to you today, he said, Ricketts? Seriously? In today's day and age, that should never happen. He was totally outraged. (laughs) Yes, one of the specialists that we saw in Boston mentioned that all of the textbooks 
mentioned, all of these symptoms that don't even really exist anymore just because we don't see the same specific type of rickets, I guess. It's not as much mm-hmm. malnourishment as it is your child's just first born and they don't get to load that vitamin D. So definitely, definitely hope we can reach someone and help someone. Yeah, me too. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it. It's time for a quick commercial break, but don't leave yet because coming up next, we're going to talk to Tabitha about how her son was actually taken away from her by Child Protective Services and the extraordinary measures she had to go through in order to get him back. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect or CHD community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Welcome back. Today's show is entitled, How Child Protective Services Almost Destroyed One Heart Family, and our guest today is Tabitha Steed. We just finished talking with Tabitha about how her son, Kai, developed rickets while he was in the hospital, and I'm very hopeful that our show will prevent this from happening to some other child in the future. Well, welcome back, Tabitha, and now we're going to talk about Child Protective Services. I learned a lot about CPS while researching for this show, and CPS is supposed to help children who are being abused. What evidence did CPS have to remove Kai from your home, and who reported this problem? It seems to me that you and your husband were doing everything possible to help him. Absolutely. Well, the only evidence that CPS had against us was Kai's fractures. He had no bruising, no hemorrhaging, and no other signs that were related to abuse. CPS came after us for both abuse and neglect, citing that even if we didn't cause the trauma, we didn't protect him from whoever injured him. And ironically, we're fairly certain that medical professionals were responsible for both breaks. The arm fracture was noticed less than 24 hours after his discharge from the hospital for his heart surgery, and it most likely occurred during the first chest X-ray where they actually took him to radiology instead of just bringing the machine to his room. And that happened the last day of hospitalization when his arms were pinned down in a device to keep him from moving. So then his second fracture happened a month later, and that was his leg fracture, and we're pretty sure it happened earlier in the day when he went for his first vaccinations at the pediatrician because they held his legs down for the shots, and those two instances were the only time he was restrained or remotely had any chance of breaking because we were really careful with him due to his heart condition and especially after his first break. He was given a full child abuse workup, which consisted of nearly 50 x-rays, two MRIs, and two eye exams. And with the exception of his two fractures, those workups found nothing. And we noticed Kai was not moving his arm. We took him to the emergency room where he had his heart surgery done. And those ER doctors reported us to CPS. The same thing happened when he had his femur fracture. He quit moving his leg. We took him to the ER, and the doctors reported us. They removed him and my other two older children after the second fracture, and CPS took custody of Kai. Like I said, they came after us for both abuse and neglect. And in every home investigation and interview, CPS did note that there were no risk factors for abuse or neglect present. Their biggest reason for removing him was not knowing how he received two fractures with no discernible trauma. Wow. That breaks my heart. They took all of your children away at one point, but they let the older two come back because they couldn't find any supportive evidence that you were being 
Abusive well, they kept neglectful? they kept my older two children away for a little over six months, um, <gasps> and then oh uh, Kai was kept away for a little longer than that. But pretty much, my husband was only allowed to see them when my mother was present in the room with him because he was seen as the potential perpetrator. But I had unsupervised visitation, and I could see them anytime. But my mom was given guardianship of all three of my kids. But we retained custody of my older two kids, but CPS took custody of Kai. It was really, really stressful and really crazy. (laughs) What did your mother think of this whole thing? My mom was obviously 110% on our side. She did everything she could to try to normalize things for my three kids and was there whenever she could be so that my husband could see the kids. I moved in with my mom so I could stay with the kids since I did have unsupervised visitation, but my husband had to stay away and live by himself in our house for nearly seven months. Oh, that really is heartbreaking. I mean, that's when all the babies first are happening. Yes, yes. We missed a lot of firsts, especially my husband. Oh, my Well, sure he did. Not to mention, there had to be some tension about this. I can totally understand why you suffered PTSD or suffer it, and and your husband too, probably. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. It's been awful, so, yeah. Wow. Well, I'm so glad that you were able to see him and that you were actually able to move in with your mom because at least in that way, maybe the kids felt like it was more like, I won't say a vacation, but, oh, we're going to go stay with Grandma for a while. And it didn't seem as strange as if strangers had them. Sure. Absolutely. We were very, very thankful that my mother was able and in a situation where she could take them and that the courts accepted that. Had he been in a home, especially Kai being so medically fragile, been in a home with strangers, we would have been a lot more stressed out and it would have been a lot more difficult because I wouldn't have been able to move in. I would have had to have stayed away a lot more. My mom was really giving and letting me move in and help take care of everybody. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that she was stressed, too, because if he had suffered two broken bones and we don't know what's causing it, what's to say it won't happen again, even under her care? I mean, I'm sure that had to be stressful for her as well. Oh, it definitely was. It definitely was. We were all very, very stressed. (laughs) Did you just want to wrap him in bubble wrap? Yeah, we actually, for for a long while, we carried him around on a pillow because Like you said, we didn't know what the cause was. We were thinking anything from rickets to osteogenesis imperfecta or brittle bone disease. So we had no idea what was going on. So we were researching and just trying to handle him with extreme caution. Right, right, absolutely. So how were you able to get all of this extra testing done? Because CPS had custody, we had to go to court several times to get permission to take Kai out of state to see a bone metabolism expert. And the doctor we took him to was in Omaha, and he's pretty much the top doctor in the country for osteogenesis imperfecta or brittle bone disease. Like I said, at the time, we had no idea what was going on with Kai's bones, and we were looking at every option. Once he evaluated Kai, he didn't believe Kai suffered from OI, but he eventually did give us a few answers and linked the Lasix and vitamin D to his bone disorder. And that was the first time rickets or vitamin D deficiency had ever been mentioned to us as a possible cause. 
And the only way the judge would allow to let us take Kai to the doctor was for us to pay for the entire trip, including plane tickets, hotel fees, and meals for a social worker to travel with us. We had to fight for a year and get custody back. We were eventually able to take Kai to a doctor in Boston, and that's how we ultimately confirmed the diagnosis of EDS and rickets. And ultimately, it was discovered that Kai's bones were much like eggshells and could break with little to no force at all. So it was a very long journey, but the initial getting him to Omaha took us about two and a half months of deliberating in court on several occasions. Wow. And part of that probably is because there wasn't much of a precedent for something like this. I've had in some ways you guys have made history. Right. They really hadn't seen what we had. Even Mm -hmm. still, I've had trouble finding any sort of parent that has specifically went through exactly what we went through as far as having cardiac anomalies and the rickets and having Ehlers-Danlos and all of this. So, yes, it was really difficult to get the court to understand that we needed to go out of state to seek this expert because, quite frankly, there was no one qualified in North Carolina to see us. So it was really crazy to try to get them to agree to that. And then they were afraid that we were going to take flight and leave the country. So they had to have a social worker come with us, and they refused to pay for that, so we had to pay for it. Wow. Well, I can see how all of that could add up significantly. So I'm curious if there was a key moment when all of a sudden everything fell into place and you finally had answers to these questions. Well, I can't say there was really a specific moment I can pinpoint, but once I realized we had my son's court-appointed guardian ad litem on our side, I knew our chances were better at getting custody back. She doesn't work for Child Protective Services, and she's a separate entity that the court listens to. Basically, she kind of works as the child's voice. But we lucked out and got a former head nurse of the pediatric intensive care unit at the same hospital our son was at with his cardiac issues. And she was very familiar with the medical side of our case and really took the time to research and get to know us and really helped us get Kai back. And she just guided us through the whole process. And honestly, if it wasn't for her, I really don't think I'd be sitting here able to say that we got my son back. Wow. That's heartbreaking. It's hard to believe that a family would have to go through, like, you weren't going through enough. I mean, it was stressful enough to you that your child's bones were breaking without any reasonable cause. It was stressful enough to you that he had to have open heart surgery within the first days of his life and that he has basically a chronic condition for the rest of his life, much less being put through something as emotional and as devastating as what you've gone through. After the diagnosis was made, did CPS apologize or was there any recognition that what they did really was wrong? No, not at all. In fact, um, we ended up settling our case with them, and they adjudicated against us for neglect. So there was no apologies made. Pretty much we were put in the position of, well, maybe you didn't break your child's bones, but you should have protected him better. And I really honestly don't know what we could have done to protect him more especially when we put him in the hands of medical professionals that potentially are the ones that broke his bones. Not purposely, of course, but Mm -hmm. he was so fragile. I mean, his bones were like eggshells. So anyone could have done it, and it was a complete accident and not even known it. And it would have been nice to hear an I'm sorry or something, but Mm -hmm. we, we never heard anything. Wow. Well, we need to take another quick commercial break, but don't leave yet. When we come back, we'll hear what Tabitha has as far as advice for parents who may be at risk for losing their children to CPS. 
when we return. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Welcome back. Today's show is entitled, How Child Protective Services Almost Destroyed One Heart Family, and our guest is Tabitha Steed. This has been a fascinating show about the abuses that can occur when a child's health condition is not easily understood by the medical professionals caring for the child. We only have a few minutes left, but I would like to ask Tabitha just a couple more questions. One of them is, what is your best advice for parents who may be faced with losing their children to CPS? The first thing I'd like to say is just don't give up. No matter how scary it may seem, no matter how hard of a fight it is, just never give up on your child or your case. Number two, and this is probably going to sound pretty crazy to some people that have never dealt with CPS, but don't trust CPS. I know this agency is designed to help children and families, but once they're after you, once they come after you, once they think you've abused or neglected your child, they're going to use any and everything against you. And you just want to make sure you retain a good attorney and share everything with them. And I guess the last thing would be don't trust doctors that are labeled as child abuse experts. Honestly, these doctors rarely, if ever, go against CPS, and they're designed to strengthen the case against you. You want to find your own experts separate from CPS and those child abuse doctors, and know your legal rights regarding CPS, and they do vary from state to state. You just need to be your own advocate and take charge in your case to make sure you learn about the legal and medical issues that are involved in whatever case you may be in the middle of. Wow, that's all really good advice. And it's horrible because it almost sounds like you have to be paranoid. Don't trust this person. Don't trust that one. But it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. The doctors you hire are going to hopefully do what they can to see your side of the situation and be as objective as possible, whereas the CPS doctors will be looking to validate what CPS has already said. And Oh, I just don't understand how this could be missed as much as it was. Gosh, is this really such an invisible disease, Ricketts, that they just had no idea? It just it breaks my heart. And I wonder how many other children have had to suffer in a similar situation. Absolutely. And quite frankly, they say that they have all these statistics, but honestly, they don't know how many children, even cardiac babies that have gone home on Lasix and have not been exposed to sunlight and maybe were breastfed, have had very minor micro fractures that just didn't develop into more severe fractures and were able to heal. They don't know that. If your baby suffers a micro fracture and it doesn't develop into a worse fracture, kind of like Kai did, then your child could have fractured and you never would have even known it. So there's no way to really get the statistics on that. So it's, it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. I really think it's a good idea to get all babies vitamin D tested if they're going to be an extended stay in the hospital. Mm-hmm. You would think that after so many days or so many weeks, they would get a more in-depth analysis just to make sure that everything is going okay. But it amazes me that something like this can happen in this day and age. We have such sophisticated tools for helping doctors to diagnose things. And like you said, rickets is an old-time disease. This is an ancient disease, and we've known about rickets for 
centuries. So you would think that this would be something that they would be attuned to, something that they would be aware of. Well, this was such a traumatic situation, especially for your husband. My heart really aches for your husband because he was treated like a bad guy and he wasn't doing anything wrong. But I also wonder how has this affected your children, your older children? And it doesn't sound like he was really absent from their lives except for when he was in the hospital since your mother had custody. But how has it been for them to all of a sudden leave grandma's house now and go back and live with their daddy? Well, they really depended on one another for support, especially my older two. And, I mean, they honestly adore their little brother, and they're just really protective over him. And they know that Kai's bones are fragile and that he has a heart condition. And they're super excited to get home to Daddy. And they were all fighting for Daddy's attention once they finally got home. But I would have to say my oldest son has probably been the most affected. He really has some serious trust issues with any adults he isn't familiar with now. And he has a really strong sense of fairness, and he gets really upset when he thinks he or anyone else is being treated unjustly. And he did share with me that during his interview with CPS, when they first took custody of Kai and when they were investigating, they take each of the children by themselves and interview them, he just really felt like the social worker cornered him and was trying to get him to say the wrong things. So he just felt that he couldn't win in that situation and that it was just really unfair. And it just takes him now a very long time to open up to adults he doesn't know. Mm -hmm. Have you had to put the children in counseling? I have not put them in counseling yet, but only because our pediatrician believes it actually may hinder his problems just because the therapist is going to be a new adult and he's not going to be familiar with them. And even the mention of therapy to him, he just gets really upset. But we are looking into it just because we kind of have to do something because I think he himself is kind of going through a little bit of PTSD. Sure, absolutely. Maybe if you could find family counseling... This is really, really rough because everybody has been hurt. Maybe the only one who doesn't really know would be Kai just because he was so young and and he was just a little baby. (laughs) Yeah, and we're very thankful for that because, yeah, definitely he won't remember. My older two will, my husband will, my mom will, and so will I. But at least Kai won't remember having to go through all the x-rays and the MRIs and all the eye exams and all the crazy stuff he had to endure. So. Yeah. Well, and your oldest is eight years older than Kai. That's old enough to really have an understanding of what's going on and to know what it's like to be in home with mommy and daddy and then all of a sudden to be at home with grandma and mommy and know that there's something tense with dads around. I mean, he had to have picked up on that. And your daughter, too, probably, although with her just being six when Kai was born, she may not have quite been so aware. But your family is one tough family. You stuck it out, and I am so proud of you that you were able to stick it out and have such a good attitude and to let me know that we could talk about this on the air so that maybe we could help another family who's going through this. Your case may be one that sets a precedent and helps some other family not to suffer as much as you all have. And if we can help one family, just one, then it wouldn't make it worth it for us to have had to go through that, but it will definitely make it worth it to put our story out there and to share it. Right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Tabitha. I am just in awe of everything that you have been through, and I hope that the rest of your days will be so much brighter and <laughs> sunshinier and happier. Yes. I think you've had enough days. <laughs> Absolutely. I think so, too. <laughs> 
Well, that concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Dana. Thank you for listening today. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern Time. Until then, please find and like us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com. Your purchases from Cafe Press Boutique help defray the cost of our radio show, so consider buying a license plate cover or a car magnet or a mug and follow our radio show on Blog Talk Radio and Spreaker. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week. Mm-hmm.